All right, great to see you this morning. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate those of you who join us online, and uh, hope you're having a great day. Glad to be able to jump into our Man Up series, and uh, the fact is, as we think about it, manning up is all about making decisions that are right, that are honoring to God, and then following through. And we all make decisions like that every single day. I remember a time uh, in junior high, we had just moved from Colorado to South Carolina, and I started school a day or two late, and um, it was not a good day that first day. Anybody have a bad day in school ever? You know, I had a bad day that day. It was rough. I went to my first class. I couldn't find my first class, and so I'm walking the halls. And eventually the halls empty out, and I'm the only one walking through the halls. And uh, can't find it, finally went to the office and asked them to help me find this class. They took me down to a set of stairs that led down into a basement dungeon-like place. And uh, there's 15 or 20 guys down there and a teacher. They had told me this class I signed up for was a science class on plants and animals. Turns out it was an ag class and I had just joined the FFA, and uh, didn't know that was coming, it was fine, I just didn't know it was coming. I spent the whole day like that, just struggling through the day, finally get to my last class, I couldn't wait to go home, I just couldn't wait. And the last class, uh, I walk in, there's, it's about two-thirds full, and um, teacher's not in there yet, and I, f- I walk in, I find a seat, I go sit down, and then um, uh, this little short guy, walks into the class, but he's talking big, you know, you can hear him all over the place, and he's, he's talking just all constantly, and he walks up to where I'm seated, and he walks up and he says, you're in my seat. I said, okay, I'll pick up all my stuff, stand up, move back a couple of seats. As I do that, and I sit down, he starts laughing out loud, just loud. Everybody's listening. I'm just like, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in junior high. It's awkward. You know, I'm awkward. You know, I don't like being laughed at in front of everybody at that point in my life. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, I told you it was my seat. I didn't say you had to move. Laugh, laugh, laugh. laugh. And, it was, and, and everybody in the room is watching this happen. So I'm just like, I'm embarrassed. At that age, that, that, you know, it wouldn't bother me today, but it bothered me then. And so then I'm, I'm sitting there not enjoying the moment, and then in walks another guy. This guy is huge. He's tall, he's muscular, he's one of these guys that has like a full beard in junior high, you know? <laughs> and he walks up to me, and I'm like, oh no. He goes, you're in my seat. And I'm like... I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to get laughed at again. You know, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. And then he sticks his fist in my face. And he says, I said, you're in my seat. I'm, 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 so I know I've got to make a decision here. I don't want to stand up and get laughed at again. I also don't want to get pummeled. You know, so... Uh, and, and, and I'm trying to make a quick decision because I know otherwise that decision's going to be made for me you know, by this guy. And so it hit me, a way to save face. So I turned to the guy in the next row over, and I say this loudly so that other people can know what I'm doing. 
is this his seat? And when that guy says yes, then I feel like I can safely get up and move without it looking like I backed down to that guy, you know? And, 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 and sure enough, I was able to get up, nobody laughed, it, was, it, it got quiet in the room, and, and, and it worked for me. I was able to go home, enjoy the evening at, with my family. <laughs> we all have decisions to make. Some of them are way bigger, the decisions we make now, than what happened to me in junior high. We had to make decisions every single day that impact our lives. That's what manning up is all about, making decisions that point the direction for our lives. We're asking ourselves, what do we think it is that God wants us to do? Manning up means we're going to be willing to take the necessary steps. And what we need in our time, especially now, with the way things are heading, are men who know truth. I'm talking they're grounded in truth. Grounded in, in truth enough to be able to defend it. We need a bunch of men like that. But we also need men who not only talk the truth, we need men who live the truth. Men who live by standards of right and wrong whose lives reflect a depth of honor and integrity. And as a result, they impact others around them. There's a great example of what we're talking about in 2 Samuel chapter 23, if you want to turn there. 2 Samuel 23, if you remember, after the 400 years of the period of the judges and the time in which we had the story of Ruth that we've been looking at the last few weeks, there's 400 years of those judges, you know, it's, and it's sort of an up and down, it's that cycle thing that Kevin talked about, and people are a lot of times, they're making decisions based on what they want for themselves. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. And that period comes to an end when God grants Israel their request, their request for a king. They wanted a king to be like the other nations. They wanted a king to go out and fight for them. And so God gives them a request, and Saul becomes their first king. And then David comes along, and, and, and David follows him as king, but not without some struggles between Saul and David. And when Saul began pursuing David, there were a lot of people who wanted to join up with David. And some of those who joined up with David were a group of guy, guys called the mighty men, David's mighty men, sometimes called the 30. And D David actually had hundreds of thousands of men called mighty men of valor. If you go back to 1 Chronicles 12, they're, they're, they're counted up there. And some believe that some of those mighty men were actually the, the 400 men that started to follow, follow him in 1 Samuel 22. And there they're described as guys who were in distress and in debt and discontented. <laughs> Sounds like a fun bunch to have, right? Who, who wants to spend time with these guys? A bunch of malcontents, dissatisfied with life. Who wants to be around? Who wants to go to war with them? I mean, what are your chances of winning a war with those types of men? But somehow... And maybe it's through David's influence and David's training. They turn into and mature into great fighters, great warriors. And their numbers grew. 
But then out of that large number of warriors, the hundreds of thousands, there's a group that distinguishes themselves in battle. It's an elite group. And that group was called the 30. If you look at the list of names, there's actually 37 names given there, which tells us not all of them were involved at the same time. You've got guys like Uriah. You know the name Uriah, maybe. He's the guy that was married to Bathsheba and, and that David had killed because of his relationship with Bathsheba. He, Uriah was one of those mighty men, so he wasn't there the whole time. And, and several of the guys sort of um, cycle in like that and out. These were guys that were all great warriors, but these 30 were on another level. They were the special forces of their day, and they did amazing things on the battlefield. I mean, they, they protected David. They fought for the freedom of the country. They were tough. They were rugged. They were skilled, and they were committed. But believe it or not, there was actually an even more elite group, and that group was called the three. We went from hundreds of thousands down to 30 and now down to three. Three men, and these are the best of the best. These guys are like SEAL Team Six. They're like Delta Force. They were the elite of the elite. And we pick up one story about them in 2 Samuel 23, verse eight, that says this. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshabashabeth, Got that one? Joshabashabeth, a Tachamonite, chief of the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because of 800 slain by him at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. That must have been embarrassing, huh? What's your dad's name, Dodo? The son of Dodo, a Hohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there to battle and the men of Israel had withdrawn. He arose and struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword and the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to strip the slain. Now after him was Shemah, the son of Aji, a Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. So here's the three. Jehoshabathabeth, called Adino. I, I'm glad they gave him a nickname, you know? Because <laughs> it makes it a whole lot easier this morning. He's chief of the captains. He's the top dog. This guy's the Chuck Norris of, his, of the ancient world. They probably had a bunch of Adino jokes floating around back then, you know? You know, like Adino doesn't climb on trees. He just pulls them down and walks on top of them. You know, Adino, he, he can kill two stones with one bird. Adino ordered a, ordered a Big Mac at Burger King and got one. You know, Adino's the man. This guy killed 800 men in one battle with a spear. No wonder he's the chief. And then there was Eliezer. Eliezer, who stayed on the battlefield when other warriors were running away. They're taking, Eliezer's gone, he's not going. He's killing Philistines until his hand was stuck, clenched around his sword, all cramped up there, fighting so long and so hard. 
Eliezer, you probably had a bumper sticker on his chariot that said, you can have my sword when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. You know, he's the guy who's not going to give up. He's not letting go. He's fighting to the end. That was Eliezer. And Shema, who stood in a field of lentils and fought the Philistines. And what's that about? Well, the Philistines, typically, one of the ways they fought wars was they destroyed the crops of the nations they were fighting against. And so they're there trying to do that to Israel. And it was their way of trying to weaken Israel as a nation, as a fighting force. So while the people were fleeing from the Philistines, Shemah stood there protecting the lentils and struck the Philistines, and we're told the Lord brought about a great victory. So that's the three. They're guys whose names we may not remember or know, but in their day, they would have had the equivalent status of some great athletes of our time. They would have been known, like we know the names Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, Babe Ruth. They were that well known. They were the three. And he obviously didn't want to mess with them. And we see them going to action, starting in verse 13. Then three of the 30 chief men went down. By the way, as you read that, some people look at that and they say, well, the three of the 30, it must be, they, they, they're talking about a different three. But no, if you go back into 1 Chronicles 11, you see this is the exact same three we just talked about. Three of the 30 chief men went down and came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Adullam while the troop of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. David was then up in the stronghold while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. So the three step up. They hear David. You know, David's sitting around the campfire one night, and he's, he's sort of thinking out loud. Man, I'd really like some water from the well in Bethlehem. That'd be great. It's harvest time, so it's, it's hot and it's dry. He's at the cave of Adullam, about 16 miles from Jerusalem, and he's been there before. It's a, sort of a become his base of operations. Whether he was fighting the Philistines or Saul, this is where he'd like to be, and apparently he had fortified it. That's why it's called a stronghold here. So it was his home base, and he's there again, and he's thinking about the water from the well in Bethlehem where he grew up. So he's, he's reminiscing. Maybe... Uh, more homesick than thirsty. A little bit like if you grew up here in Fremont and you're sitting back one night thinking about how you'd really like something from Rudy's, you yeah. yeah. or, know? Or how about Burger Chef? Yeah. There was a Burger Chef in the town I grew up in. It's only a couple blocks from our house. I love going there. You know, 15 cent hamburgers. It's great. And, and, you, and when you start thinking about some of those, you have 
memories, you start reminiscing about some of that, and you're thinking about, you know, not only what the food tasted like, but who you went there with, the people you enjoyed it with. That's probably what David's doing. He's sitting back just thinking about, boy, the be at the well in Bethlehem. Maybe with his parents. And drinking some of that water. Water that, you know how when you get used to certain water, you taste it from somewhere else, it doesn't taste as, as good to you? That's probably the way David's thinking. There's nothing like water from Bethlehem. Nothing like it. Just thinking out loud. Which wouldn't have been an issue. But at that moment, there's a problem. And the problem is the Philistines are occupying Bethlehem. So there's no way to get to the well to get any of it. And David's not giving out orders here. He's not telling anybody, go get him some. He's just sitting there thinking out loud. But these three elite warriors are there listening. And they hear David talking about how much he likes some of that water. And they're so fully committed. They take David's wish and they go for it. They make a decision to head to Bethlehem. Not letting the thought of the Philistines stop them. They're determined to get him some water from that well. And so we're told they broke through the camp in, Beth, in Bethlehem. They broke through the camp of the Philistines. They broke through, which tells us they fought their way to that well. Risked their own lives just to get David some water. Talk about loyalty. You talk about commitment. They put themselves at risk and went far beyond what they were required to do because they wanted to serve him as much as they could. Can you, and can you imagine being David when they, these guys came back and stood in front of him with the water? I mean, they probably from a distance had come running. They probably are all excited about giving it to David. And they're yelling out, David, we got it. Here's some water from the well in Bethlehem. Just like you're talking about. And David's blown away. But right then, he had a decision to make. See, when they gave David that water, he wanted to show appreciation for what they had done. But David was like, I can't do this. And he poured the water out as an offering to God. Probably pretty shocking to those three guys. <laughs> risk their lives for it. But he's like, be it far from me. This water's too valuable for me to drink. These men risked their lives. Their blood was on the line. They could have died. So he doesn't even take a swallow. He pours it out. And in doing that, he's thanking God and appreciating the men. See, he realizes if he accepted what they had done, it would have set a terrible precedent. The, the, the idea would have gone out there that, that doing reckless acts were the way to win David's favor. It would have also meant he approved of them risking their lives just for his own convenience. So he had to find a way to graciously reject what they had done while continuing to honor them. And pouring that water out is an offering to God was the perfect way to do that. It said he valued their gift without taking personal advantage of it. That's the kind of man David was. He stepped up, he made a decision that he believed was right, and he followed through. And that's the kind of men 
that made up the three. They weren't only skilled at war. They were also loyal and committed. And they stepped up and made a decision and followed through with what they believed was right. Just some great examples. But then there's two other guys that are specifically pointed out in this passage. And these two are also important when we think about stepping up. These guys are on a slightly lower tier than the three. They're great warriors still. And we're told about some amazing things they did. But they're sort of second tier. Look at verse 18. Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of the 30. And he swung his spear against 300 and killed them and had a name as well as the three. He was most honored of the 30. Therefore, he became their commander. However, he did not attain to the three. Then Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kebzel, who had done mighty deeds, killed the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in the middle of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, an impressive man. Now the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a club and snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah the son of Jehoiada did, and he had a name as well as the three mighty men. He was honored among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three, and David appointed him over his guard. So these two guys, they do some incredible things. You've got Abishai, the, the, the brother of Joab, David's general. Abishai kills 300 men. We also know he killed a Philistine giant from another passage, this giant that was intent on killing David. And he became the commander. Actually, 1 Chronicles defines that a little bit more for us. He became the commander of that next tier down. He's in charge of them. And then there's Benaiah. Benaiah who's known for going into a pit on a snowy day and killing a lion. He also killed a powerful Egyptian man. Another man that we know was described as being a giant. In fact, his height's given to us in 1 Chronicles 11. He was seven foot, six inches tall. He carried this huge beam and Benaiah took that beam, his sword from him, his spear, and took it and killed him with it himself. He also killed the two sons of Ariel, the Moab. Actually, it's a, it, that could be translated the lion-hearted men of Moab. These two men who were considered the best fighters of Moab. He killed these lion-hearted men, and then he went in and actually killed a lion. You know, he's, he's that kind of warrior. So we see these great things they did. But we also see this repeated phrase, Jesus of both Abishai and Benaiah, he did not attain to the three. We know anytime there's something repeated in Scripture, it's something you want to take note of, you want to pay a special attention to. It's a little like what we saw from the book of Ruth. Remember the phrase, it just so happened? Just so happened? There was a point to that phrase, wasn't there? It just so happened, didn't, just telling us that, not that this just happened by luck or by chance. No, it was telling us that whatever happened from a human perspective, it looks like it just so happened. But the reality is God, we know, was directing the events. Well, this phrase also tells us something important. 
It tells us, as great as these two warriors were, Abishai and Benaiah, there was another level they could have stepped up to, but they never made it. They didn't attain to the three. See, there's always another step to take. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished, how great it may be. There's always a decision to make. There's always a step to take. And the question that all of us have to think about is, will we step up or will we walk away? And that decision could be about a whole lot of things. For some of us, we've got a decision to make regarding Jesus himself. You know, for a lot of us, we've, we've heard the story. We know that what Scripture says about who Jesus is and what he did for us. We've heard the story. We understand it to be a reality. We know that we're sinners. We know we're guilty. But we think God's sort of okay with us anyway. That we're pretty good people. And so we've never made, come to a point of actually turning to him for forgiveness. Some of us here today actually need to make that decision above every other. The most important decision you can ever make is that you're going to turn to him for forgiveness. You're going to admit it. Okay, I, got, I know I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And I know it's, I, I can't make up the gap between where I'm at and where you're at. And so, God, I'm asking you to forgive me based on the death of your son, because that's the only basis by which we can be forgiven. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. And so, we turn to him, ask for forgiveness, ask him to come into our lives. Some of you need to take that step today. You need to make that decision. That's what God wants from you above everything else, for you to make that decision today. You could do that as you're sitting here right now. Just tell God those things. Let him change you. Step up. Come to him in faith. Make the decision now. For others of us, we're believers. We, follow, we say we follow Christ. But there's an example he left for us and a command he's left for us that we've never followed in, and that is in baptism. And, and so we know that's a, something that's required of us as his children. And so what should be going on in our heart and mind right now is, okay, God tells me this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't need to go searching for an answer about what God wants from me on this. I need to be baptized. I need to make that decision. I'm going to follow through on that. For some of us, that's where we need to be today. Step up, make that decision. Great news for you. We've got a baptism coming up. <laughs> March 14th, just a few weeks away. And so if you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I need to, I need to do that, there's an opportunity. Get signed up for baptism, and we'll get that taken care of that day. For some of us, it might be Fight Club. For some of us, it might be becoming a member here at Grace. For some of us, our decision might be about deciding about serving in some area. For some, it's about being a better husband, being more loving, being more honoring to your wife. Some of us need to be a better dad. And we need to be more patient with our kids. And we need to give more time to them. Or we need to be more careful in our discipline of them. You need to step up. 
a lot of you probably know the name Chuck Swindoll. He's a well-known pastor. And he asked one time a Christian counselor what the number one problem he, he saw in counseling Christian families. And without a moment's hesitation, the guy said, passive males. Passive males. Guys, there's a, a good chance. And that doesn't mean you have to become aggressive in your home. That means you need to take, step up and take the lead. You need to take the lead in how you're treating your wife and making that home a, a home that's honoring to God. You need to step up and be the dad you're supposed to be. You, you don't sit back and just let things happen. You don't put the burden of leading on your wife. That, that's not fair to her. That's not honoring her. That's not loving her like Christ loved the church. You should take that off of her. Some of you need to do that. See, there's always another step. It may, it may be about being honest in our business dealings. It may be about complaining less and being more thankful. It may be about spending more time in God's word or in prayer. It may be about sharing your faith with someone else. It may be about cleaning up your thought life. See, there's some area for all of us, some step to take to man up. What's God dealing with you about right now? What area do you need to step up in? It's time to make a decision. Time to step up to what God's calling you to do. Whatever it is, there's no reason to delay. There's no reason to sit back and think about it. Just take the step. Make the decision. There's a well-known quote from David Livingston. You know, David Livingston is a missionary to Africa. And some friends wrote to him, and they said, hey, we'd like to send other men to you. Have you found a good road into your area yet? <laughs> I love Livingston's reply. He said, if you have men who will only come if they know there's a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. See, that's, that's what our world needs. That's what our families need. That's what our church needs. Men who are willing to sacrifice. Men who will step up if there's no road at all and cut the road for someone else. What's God want you to do? What step does he want you to take today? What decision do you need to make and follow through with? today. Step up. Man up. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, that we can know you, know your will for our lives, know, God, your power in our lives to accomplish that will. Help us to do that. Help us to be faithful to what you've called us to do. If, if God, we're thinking through our life right now and looking at areas that that need to improve. And whatever we've accomplished in life, there's always this other step. God, help us to be faithful and be ready, be active, to attain, God, to whatever you have for us. Thank you for your grace and your power. Thank you for loving us today. We love you. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name.